Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 57 of the Rock Podcast. For those about a pod, we salute you. In this episode, we've reached the letter K in the A to Z of Rock. Are you excited, Brian? I think Extremely. you are. Extremely. I know you are. <laughs> there's rock news. There's new rock on the block. And of course, there's everyone's favourite feature, Hidden Gem Time. But without further ado, here he is, the man with a PhD in all things King's X. Here's Brian. Hello, Matthew. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you for that lovely build-up. A PhD in King's X. Um, however, my Spotify wrapped doesn't agree with that. <laughs> for the benefit of everyone who doesn't know what a... Uh, What's it called? A Spotify wrap? Yes. What's that all about? So basically, this is where um, this is where spot when you when you listen to uh, material, when you listen to all of your artists over a year, Spotify send you like a this they send you a report at the end of the year to tell you how much music you've listened to, how many genres, and then it gives you a little list and a little playlist of. All your favourite songs, all your favourite artists that you've listened to throughout 2023. Mm. And and you would have always, since they, I think they've been doing this since 2017, Matt, and you could pretty much name mine off. But it's, it's usually the, my top five artists are usually somewhere in between John Mayer, King's X, Thin Lizzy, Whitesnake, Deep Purple. Yep. This year, my top artist is Mr. Brian Adams. Followed wow. by Mr. David of Coverdale with Whitesnake. And no, mm. and King's X are not in my top five artists oh, no. at all. Or John Mayer. So I'm going to go for a recount. I would, if I were you. I did two, actually. <laughs> I did an Amazon Music one. Interestingly, I did. I got two. Well, Amazon Music, uh, my top artist is Rush, which I think is reasonable. Yeah. And on Spotify, my top artist is um, the mighty Iron Maiden. Yes, but um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's great. I don't know what, what it tells us, particularly apart from the fact we listen to a lot of music. <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. So I haven't spoke to you since um, we spoke to lovely Chris Sumby. He was very entertaining, wasn't he? Nice he, guy. He was indeed. And, and as of yet, we've no idea who's going to be the headliner for, for Stone Dead. It was quite interesting, some of the fantasy bands that he wanted to have on the bill. For example, Night Nightwish. Yeah. And I, and I think that's good um, because I would always have Diamond Head uh, headlining any festival, um, <laughs> whether it be the one in my back garden or uh, or the, something the size of Stone Dead. Um, but no, it's very entertaining. We we love we love Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth and, and the Van Halen, Van Hagar activities um and obviously um michael anthony and sammy hagar have announced that they're going to go out next year for a, a best of both worlds uh world tour mm-hmm. i'm saying hopefully um yeah. with joe satriani sitting in on guitar and the wonderful jason bonham on drums so and mm-hmm. they played the hard stern show recently and uh, you know they were doing all the the doing some Van Van Halen material, and I think the tour next year will be predominantly Van Halen deep cuts with some Sammy solo material. Yes, but on the on the subject of that of that, um, so I mean it's a great idea, and it's kind of you know three quarters of Chicken Foot who are a great band. Yeah, who, who we saw didn't we back in yeah. that two thousand eleven or something? Yeah. Um, Plus uh, Jason Bottom, of course, who's, who's uh, I think, he's, is he with Sammy Hagar's He circle? plays in the circle, yeah. He's a yeah. drummer in the circle. So it sort of makes sense. And, of course, um, they, uh, Chicken Foot had a couple of drummers, didn't they? They had um, your man from um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> your man, Chess, Chess, your man, Chad. Your man, Chad Smith. <laughs> and was it Mark Nelsief they had? No. You were very, you're very close. You're very close. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Aronoff. 
Kenny, Kenny Aronoff. I knew it was something, someone with a, an exotic name. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that neither of them can make this, um, yeah. this, this reworking, reimagining, and yeah. of the Van Halen songs. And of course, no one better than the, the amazing Joe, Joe Satriani to yeah. take on the, take on those those amazing songs. Yeah. But what what I thought was was an interesting <laughs> kind of footnote to all this was Sammy Hagar. <laughs> and I saw this unfold. It was hilarious. Um, Sammy Hagar said, yeah, it'd be great to have Dave Lee Roth and Alex, you know, come on and come on tour with us. And then immediately Dave Lee Roth's like, yeah, I'm up for it. Brilliant. <laughs> and then almost the next day, like five minutes later, Sammy Hagar's like, no, 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 not, not the whole tour. Just a gig or maybe a song within a gig. Yes. And, 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 and maybe a slightly different with Alex. Um, he was very... Uh, disparaging of um, as as he's got every, you know, he doesn't really care, does he, Sammy? I mean, he's you know, um, he's he is uh, he was very disparaging with Dave Lee Roth, um, saying you know he could come along to the odd show, but uh, you know he doesn't want to he doesn't want to doesn't want to doesn't want to tour with him again. Uh, I think it, I think they probably had a few ups and downs before they tried uh, touring. It was very short-lived, um, and and I, I think it's one of these um, situations where uh, it all starts off very well. You know, the nice press conference, and we're all going to play nice, and then at the I think at the end, mm. didn't end as well. You, <laughs> no, as you said, and I quote: "I know better than to have him on on tour again. Been there, done that." Yes. So you know, clearly, you know, no no particular love loss, but a couple of gigs will be nice. Yeah. And they're no doubt going to play in Britain and they're gonna, no doubt going to play one gig and that'll be in London and I'll be there. <laughs> Happy days. So in the same vein with the band members coming and going, um, Mike Mangini has left Dream Theatre and Mike Portnoy has rejoined, which is interesting, isn't it? The ubiquitous Mike Portnoy. What do you make of that, Brian? I was not surprised in the least. Really? Not really? surprised in the least. After I can remember um I can remember when we watched when we were watching the winery dogs and I thought I, I thought the guys individually played very, very well, but it didn't feel cohesive for me as as a band. And I just thought I think the winery dogs have ran their course. Yeah. And whenever John Petrucci and Mike Portnoy kind of reconnected um, during lockdown. He recorded on his album. Then when John Petrucci went out on tour, my, mm. uh, Mike Portnoy was drumming. Then there's another project called Liquid LTE, the Liquid Tension um, Experiment or um, mm. with Jordan Rudish, who's the keyboard player. So there's a, there was a lot of reconnecting with Mike Portnoy um, with the Dream Theater guys, so I wasn't. <laughs> Every time we mention Mike Portnoy, I have to play my Mike, Mike Portnoy drum f- fill. Yes, fifty-one toms, exactly, yeah. and forty-eight floor toms. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded me of? You know when you guys when when someone leaves a band, uh, you always get a sense if there's someone really kind of prominent within the band, and he, yeah. and. and He's the drummer. I mean, yeah. he's not even guitarist and frontman or anything like that. But you, you always get a sense that they'll be back. But like Bruce Dickinson when he left Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. you felt that um, uh, Blaze Bailey was kind of, you know, just kind of keeping the seat warm. Mm-hmm. Similarly with um, uh, Tim Owen and uh, uh, Rob Halford yeah. in Judas Priest. We touched on that many times. Yeah. Um, Ripper Owens. Um, and uh, this was very similar. Um I think it was what, 2011, 12 that Mike Portnoy left. That's in right. Yeah. Um, and in came Mike Mangini and um or Mangini, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And um and and here he is. But Mike Mangini was it was very kind of, you know, kind of humble and very kind of, you know, almost philosophical about it, wasn't he? The fact that, oh, okay, you know, end of an era for me. I was only really keeping the keeping the thing going and you know, all that kind of stuff. Especially, just, you know, good on him. I think they did it really. They, they, that, they did it very, it was a very grown up, um, as you say, I think Mike, Mike Mangini was very gracious. Um, he effectively said he was keeping, you know, uh, 
Mike Portnoy's coming home. You know, the, I think the, the theme of it is Mike Portnoy's coming home. Um, mm. and us, so it was very, very, very gracious. Um, and, and yeah, I thought, I thought well done. And I, and I suppose, um, early next year, Dream Theater will be getting back in the studio, new album. And of course, yeah. a potential headliner for Stone Dead. <laughs> well, of course. It does, it does take, it does uh, kind of bring their stock up a little bit, doesn't it? Because, it does. you know, it probably takes them from, I don't know, dare I say, uh, you know, I don't know, a Hammersmith Odeon type venue to a, maybe a Wembley Arena type venue. Yes. Just because of the, the yeah. reintroduction of um, the great, uh, the great Mike Portnoy. Um, talking of, of bands kind of bringing members back together, hot off the press. So Geddy Lee, as we touched upon it, is doing this sort of spoken word sort of tour globally. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks, actually. I mentioned that. Christmas present from my wife. Um, and during the course of the uh, the spoken word shows, performances, is there's a Q&A session. And clearly someone has said, or people have said many times, not only a rush coming back, but probably diluted a little bit. Are you going to be, are you going to be recording with Alex Lyson? And it appears that Geddy and Alex, uh, two thirds of Rush, mm-hmm. may well be getting back together to to make some music, mm-hmm. um, either as Rush, unless I'm reading too much into it, or or sort of you know as a as a new kind of entity, which is which is, I can tell you as a Rush fan is very exciting, even though Geddy's voice is not what it was in 1977, of course. But even so, it's very exciting, just the prospect of new music from those two. And who knows how that will play out. Any thoughts on that, Brian? Um, it, it will be interesting lyrically how it works, oh, yeah. because obviously Neil Peart um, was the main um, contributor lyrically to what Rush have done for many, many years. So I think I think, I think Alex and Getty have always... Uh, musically of you know gelled so yes mm. it will be interesting how what they do and i and i think i think getty's interested in and in very much writing music with with uh you know as the pair of them but mm. i don't i i like the way he's kind of trying to dampen down the expectations of right we'll, we'll, we'll do an album and then we'll go out and do a you know a three-year global world tour um so mm. I, I do i think he's just i think it's uh early days um and but again um alex was out you know last last recently with uh in toronto and he was playing with mm. tool and Danny mm. Carey obviously was one of the drummers who played at the Taylor Hawkins tribute. Um, so everybody's everybody's now the odds have shortened now that Danny. It's I think it's now between Danny Carey from Tool on drums um, mm. or Matt Cameron from uh, from Pearl Jam and Soundgarden because he played on Getty's solo album. So let That's all right. the conjecture happen, but good luck to them. You know. Yeah, they, nice bit of detective work there, Brian. Because I thought exactly the same. I was, I was, <laughs> I was listening to um, so Ben goes my hidden gem for this week. Um, I was listening to my favorite headache recently, which is Geddy's solo album from I think 2000, 2001. Mm. And as you say, Matt Cameron from Pearl Jam and Soundgarden at the time um, plays on it. So, I mean, they're, they're, as as we know, it's going to be a queue a mile long and some of. <laughs> You know, I'll play. I'll play. I'll drop everything and play. You know, yeah. um, it could be someone out of the blue, of course. It, you know, a bit like when Josh Freeze joined um, Foo Fighters. You know, we were talking about um, Rufus Taylor and you know, and and, and others were kind of kicked around, and in end up being Josh, who's, with all due respect, maybe a slightly unknown. So we'll we'll see. It could be could be Danny Carey, could be Mike Portnoy, could be Dave Grohl, could be. Chad Smith could be you, but I I just have a wee feeling that somebody like somebody interesting like Brad Wilk, who's available, mm. Mm. could play with Getty. Yeah, and yeah, Alex. You might be right. 
I mean, we we called it with Brian Tatler and Saxon, of course. Well, I mean, I say we, you know, I called it. So, you, you know, you, I'll be right, Brian. We'll, we'll put a pin in that one, exactly. as they say. And, um, and who knows? Um, talking about Black Sabbath. Now, I love this story. Talking about creating publicity out of thin air, which I guess is Sharon Osbourne's kind of, you know, her forte. So there's two things that have come up recently. So Ozzy allegedly is annoyed with Geezer Butler, not Tony, I am he, but Geezer Butler, the great Geezer Butler, the bass player of Black Sabbath. Um, and if you haven't read his book, it's fantastic, mm. by the way. We did that as a um, book club of rock, didn't we? We did, yeah. But apparently <laughs> Ozzy is annoyed that Geezer didn't reach out to him when Ozzy was, I mean, he's still not well. I mean, he's no. still, still got a few issues and ailments and everything. Um, that Geezer hasn't uh, hasn't reached out to him and, you know, kind of put a sort of virtual arm around him, I suppose. And um, which I think is a little bit childish, really. And and Geezer said, well, you know, I did, I tried. You know, I did, I did, honestly, I tried. But, you know, there's no response. But he's got the wrong email address or wrong phone number or whatever. Um, and he said, but I I, 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 held, I held him in my thoughts, which I think is nice, you know. Yeah. It's just as good, really. I think it's just cool. I might, I might sort of, you know, say it to my wife. I didn't, I didn't get you a Christmas present, but I, I, had, it, I had it in my thoughts okay. to buy you a Christmas present. Let's see how that goes down. But uh, obviously this is a different scenario. But... Um, I mean, they talk about petty. And then adding to that, Sharon Osborne, Ozzy's wife, is now annoyed. This is a this is a news item. She's annoyed that there's paparazzi taking pictures of Ozzy in his frail state. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Sharon. But I mean, you know, there's going to be obviously the odd person taking pictures. But, you know, it's, it's I saw these two stories. I thought, well, they're literally... Stories out of thin air, just created out of the ether, uh, just to kind of get Ozzy's name back out there and Sharon's name and so on. Am I being a bit cynical, Brian? No, I, you're not being you're not being cynical at all. <laughs> and I have to say, there is something to be said for maintaining the mystique of a rock band. You look in the seven, you look in the seventies. You know, Black Sabbath, their music. You know. You didn't know about what Bill Ward, you know, there was, there's so much history and, you know, my goodness, Spinal Tap, uh, <laughs> Spinal Taps, uh, a, lo a lot of the stories around the, the Spinal Tap come out from Black Sabbath. The, the Black Sabbath story is legend and, mm. and it's going to end up <laughs> with old men not speaking to each other emailing each other's wives because they're not mm. talking to each other. It's just, it's, you know, we're, we're into, we're just into farce, really. It's a, which is a real shame. But it's fun to watch it unfold. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Um, talking of Tony Obi, by the way, there's a new TV show. I don't know whether anyone's seen it. I very much recommend it. Um, the Great Tony Obi was on uh, the first episode. Um, the Great Guitar Riffs. It's on Sky, Sky Arts. That's right. Um, yeah. Andy, Andy Summers was on it and uh, Nancy Wilson. It's well worth a watch, by the way. I'm just, I'm giving that one for free. It's not even a hidden gem. I'm just giving it some free publicity. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Um, ACDC News, Brian. Yes. So uh, ACDC, as you know, played the, uh, the, the inaugural Power Up Festival. Uh, I think it was last month or month before, whatever it was, a few weeks ago, and it went down really well, as as we as we know, which is great. Um, and uh, there's there's uh, there's all sorts of uh, chit chat about uh, will they, as we talked about, will they play Hyde Park or will they play, you know, a tour? Will they do this? Will they do that? Well, um, apparently the proverbial cat is out of the bag uh, <laughs> in in Germany, in Munich to be precise. Um, Dieter Reiter. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. The mayor of Munich has uh, has basically told the world that uh, AC, very specifically, actually, ACDC will be playing the Olympic Stadium in Munich um, on the twelfth of June next year, which is nice. <laughs> and and then when when he was told, no, you shouldn't have said that. 
it's, he said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know it was supposed to be a secret. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, I think, I, I thought, well, fair enough. I mean, you know, unless someone tells you, for God's sake, don't mention it to anyone. We're telling you as the mayor of Munich because it's coming next year and you might have to be there in your, in your finery. <laughs> but he, but uh, uh, he might be smart, the mayor, by, you know, if he's leaked it now um, and and they try to withdraw it from Munich, you know, in some ways it's kind of going, right, 12th, 12th of June, 2024, put it in your diary because ACDC have to come to Munich now because... <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, we have some new rock on the block, new releases. Yes. Let's, let's see if we've got any latecomers for our album of the year, which we will be discussing on our best of show coming up soon. Mm. Yeah. And we will kick off with the second album from a band that you introduced me to, which is... You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh which is Dirty Honey's second album, which is Can't Find the Bricks. What did you think of it? Well, I mean, I, I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, if I, if you're going to put me on the spot. No, I did enjoy it. it is, it's it's it, very similar to the first album. There's a little bit more light and shade on this one. Yeah. Um, from the Californian Quartet. That is um, dirty, dirty honey. I, I I wrote some notes about it actually. Um, there's there's so much swagger on it, swagger, the swagger coming out of every every pore of this Stonesy, Stonesy swagger. Well, it's got Stonesy swagger. I I wrote down um, ACDC meets Aerosmith meets Black Crows. Put it in a blender. With a bit of stones sprinkled on the top, maybe a bit of stones seasoning, and also uh, the the singer whose name escapes me, his lower register reminds me of Jeff Jeff Buckley. Listen again, mm-hmm. certainly that like the title song, um, uh, "Don't Put Out Don't Put Out the Fire." There's there's almost a Jeff Buckley feel when he sings lower register, and he goes into kind of full on, you know, full voice Bon Scott, Stephen Tyler, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. But it was, you know, it's kind of more of the same, really. If you've got the first album, um, you know, it's very similar. It's good. Which I, and I loved the first album from, I think, was it 21 or 22? Um, saw them a couple of times. Really good live. You get a chance to see them. They're out, they're out uh, early next year. I'm going to see them in uh, in London, naturally. Um, 7th of Feb. That. Yeah, the, 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 the tour runs from the 7th of Feb, where they open up in Glasgow. All the way mm. through to March, where they finish up in Bilbao. So they're in Europe wow. for, you know, knockings of two months. Yeah, um, it, it's great. I loved it. I mean, it, the songs are the songs are, you know, they've got as I said, they've got an Aerosmith sort of sort of twang to them, and they're Aerosmith tinged. I think we talked about it when um, "Can't Find the Breaks" the song came out. Uh, or was it Don't Put Out the Fire? But they're, they're, they're riffs, that they're not chord-driven riffs, they're kind of note-driven riffs. Classic kind of um, Steve Perry style. Uh, I mean, just for a four-piece, I make a great noise. Mm. Um, and so they've got some light and shade. Rome is a really cool, kind of quieter song. Very much, you know, for your Sunday morning rock playlist. Uh, copyrighted that, by the way. Sunday morning rock. Um <laughs> Get a little high as as a cool song. I mean, it's just so many cool songs in this album. It's just it, I loved it. It's certainly, as you say, it's a contender for album of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, and they're going to be huge. Uh-huh. Uh, they're playing they're playing a, they're playing the electric ballroom in London, uh, which is a step up from where did I see them? Oh, they were supporting um, Rival Sons. I saw them in Norwich, actually, yeah. in a tiny little place. So they're they're obviously on the on the rise, and 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 rightly so. They're a, they're a, they're a great band, and I love this album. I thought it was really good, really nice vibe, really nice groove to it. Which, however, that brings <laughs> us to not however. I've got to stop ranting about how much I like the album. However, that brings us to. Well, we talked about this album quite a lot over the months. Which Dolly Parton, the lovely Dolly Parton, was uh, very much in the press, putting together various luminaries from the world of rock, 
to be a part of this album. And and wow, has she done it? There are some massive names on this album. They're weighing in at 30 songs, uh, two hours and 22 minutes. I mean, it's like the Titanic of, of albums. I mean, it's just huge. Um, uh, some sort of original songs as well as um, covers, shall we say. Mm-hmm. What did you make of this, Brian? Oh, I Rock, knew. <laughs> Rockstar. You go first. Rockstar was... by Dolly Parton. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just, I was just thinking there, Matt. Boy, did I pull the short straw by... Uh, by letting you go with Dirty Honey first and then me. <laughs> anyway. You're welcome. I, thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> this is Dolly Parton's 49th solo album. Jeez. It's her 49th solo album. And as you quite rightly say, she she uh, she got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and then she pledged to, to make a rock album. And what's really nice was when you're listening to the album and you and you think of um I think this is the how how lovely a person she is. Most of the people who were also inducted that year in 2022, so Duran Duran were inducted, Neil mm-hmm. Geraldo and uh, Pat Benatar were inducted. So what she's and and Judas Priest so 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 what's really interesting when you listen to the album and you go why why Simon Lebon she actually has invited quite a lot of her fellow inductees from that year yeah, to yeah. to be on the album so this is a this is an album of I'm I'm not going to say two halves because it's an, as you say it's 37 tracks and it's an encyclopedia um I, I this to me there was f- I, Whenever I listened to all of these tracks, Matt, the first word that came into my mind was Dolly Oki. Yes. Uh, Dolly Oki was... Uh, Big time. Uh, uh, Dolly Oki. And, and where, where the album... Uh, I actually think all of the original tracks... So if you look at the tracks that she wrote with her producer for the album, um, the, the album opens up with the track Rockstar... Yeah. Um, which, which, and and then you follow it on with uh, the world's on fire. Um, again, another original track, and 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 mm. I kept want, whenever she was singing about worlds on fire, I was just thinking pants on fire. There were, I, I was making mm. up lyrics, but mm. of all of the original songs that she that she'd written, I actually think there's an there was enough original material to actually put out without the covers. So and and I and and I also thought the collaborators that she had on the original songs like Either Or um which had Kid Rock on there was a nice yeah. there was just a lovely blend between Kid Rock singing and and Dolly singing yeah. um I want you back Steven Tyler again and and even Bygones with Rob Halford I thought all of mm. the original material it really mm. felt like a duet, even the yeah. Simon Le Bon. When you then look at effectively some of the greatest songs ever written in the world, yeah. you, you hear the key, you hear the keyboards and the p- beautiful piano for "Open Arms" mm. with Steve Perry. Like she got Steve Perry to record, mm. and you're sort of sitting there going, "Dolly starts singing, you know, the opening opening verse of "Open Arms." Then the second verse starts and I'm going, where's Steve Perry? Steve Perry. Where are you? Yeah. Steve Perry gets, Steve Perry gets like a line and a half. Hmm. And then it seems to be with the collaborators, be it Sting or Kevin Cronin, like all these great singers, they seem to be stuck singing a harmony below where they're usually singing it. Mm. And and it's all processed, and it's all it just feels like everybody was auto tuned, and it yeah. was and 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 the like Sting they did every breath you take, and I was like going oh my goodness, and then so for me I think it would have been a brilliant I think it would have been a really good album just all of the original materials, maybe one or there's one or two of the covers that really work for me Matt. Like mm. I think I think the I think the Rolling Stones I can't get no satisfaction with Pink is is fabulous and the Joan mm-hmm. Jett I hate myself yeah. for loving you 
that yeah. those are brilliant. All of the rest mm. of them are kind of going. I'm sorry, but Freebird. Mm. She changed. It just sounded like Boyzone. It's it. Yeah. It was like they used. It sounded so much like Leonard Skinner at the start. And I love Freebird as a song. And then mm. when she sings, it comes in in a different key. Then Skinner do it in their normal key, and then she sings in our key. It, some of the songs just didn't work for me. Let it be yeah. with McCartney. Just let it alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's where I come with it, Matt. You know, God bless her. She's 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 promoting rock music. The, the, the collaborations are well intended mm-hmm. if they don't always kind of come out uh, as well as they, you would hope. Um, so... You know, I don't know whether there'll be a, a follow-up to this. I doubt it. She's just pretty much used up all her contacts, I imagine, from the world of rock. But, um, yeah, not not my album of the year, but well worth a listen, <laughs> boys and girls, just to, out of curiosity, I think, more than anything. Absolutely. So that was, <laughs> that was new rock on the block, Bri. <laughs> so, Bri, mm-hmm. you're a very excited boy, I can tell. It's nearly Christmas, and this, in a way, is my Christmas present to you, which <laughs> saves me saves me buying something and sending it to you. Um, we have reached K in the A to Z of rock. And you tell me that you- after I've bought your present. Uh. All right. Okay, maybe it's not your real present. Anyway, so K, and you know what that means. It's King's X time! Yay! There you go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That was K. That was the A to Z of rock, and it was K, and it's King's X. End so, of. <laughs> on a serious, on a serious note, now you love King's X, and they are a great band. They are. For those who don't know, the uninitiated, just give everyone a, a, a two-minute history of King's X, their greatest songs, their greatest albums. Go. Okay, so King's X, um, King's X have released loads and loads of albums. I'll do the, I'll do the short I'll do the short version, and but they're always uh, they were always in magazines which begin with K, but we'll talk about later. They were always the darlings of um, the underground, and and they seem to have now been relegated to the uh, one of the the bands that should have been huge. <laughs> Yes. King's X should have been great, critical. Yeah, so King King's X came, uh, King's X came out, uh, nineteen eighty seven. Um, their oh my goodness, the 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 three albums that came out when Out of the Silent Planet, Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska, and Faith Hope Love, are probably three great. Uh, you know the three good albums. Then you had Dogman with with um with Brendan O'Brien producing it. King's X for a, for a lot of artists um, quite influential around grunge. Pro, the guys in Pearl Jam, um, I would say that they're heavily influenced. The best way I would describe King's X to anybody who hasn't had the chance to listen to them, they're a three piece who can do um, fabulous um, harmony vocals with a very grungy Hendrixy. Uh, groove to them so it's kind of like Jimi Hendrix with Beatle harmonies um great songwriters for many many years um they split the vocals you know Doug Pinnock the bass player and the singer Jerry Gaskell the drummer and Ty Tabor who's a guitar player and singer they all sang and they all split it um and for many years then Doug Pinnock who's the bass player um and singer did most of the singing and on their recent album, Three Sides of One, they've kind of gone back to their old formula where all three of them are singing. King's X, yeah, they, they, they are. They're an excellent band. Um, hmm. End of, Matt. Thank you <laughs> for indulging you're, 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 me again. <laughs> no, you're very welcome. Uh, and what, what, I, what, I, what I love is the fact that they are, that, as you say, they're, they're, not, they're not globally well-known um, but they're, they're, and you love them. I mean, I know this I yeah. mean, from, from like the first time we met 20 some odd years ago, that was your number one band. And uh, I've seen them, uh, thanks to you. And, and I'd, I've never been to a gig like it. I've said this many times. Uh, we saw them in Islington of all places in London, mm-hmm. literally across the road from where my daughter, where my daughter Georgia now lives actually. Um, and, uh, 
I've never, I've never been, I've been to Maiden gigs and ACDC and all the rest of it over the years, but I've never been to a gig where the, the audience is so partisan and so, so kind of a, at one without being too cheesy, uh, at one with the band, as they said in Spinal Tap, but um, they are an amazing band. They've done some great songs. We'll stick, we'll stick a ton of um, King's X songs on the, uh, on the, on the playlist for, uh, for everyone to enjoy and check out those three albums because they are great albums, as you, as you mentioned. I'm going to go from the sublime to the eh, ridiculous <laughs> kiss, kiss. Ah, fifty years old this year, and obviously on their farewell tour, Fine, firmed, f- firmed, formed in 1973 in New York City. Um, uh, originally, uh, Gene Simmons and uh, Paul Stanley. Heim Weiss and Stanley Eisen, to give them their real names, uh, were in a band called Wicked Leicester. I'm not sure whether they would have would have had global kind of sort of stardom with a band with a name like Wicked no. Leicester, but you know, not a bad name after all. But I mean, what can you say about Kiss? I mean, just huge. The makeup, the pyrotechnics, the good songs too. I mean, mm-hmm. great songs. You know, rock and roll all night, Detroit Rock City, Crazy Crazy Nights. You know, you name it. I mean, you know, a long list of, of mega rock songs and of course merchandise and branded stuff and famously Dimebag Daryl from Pantera's buried in a Kiss coffin you know I mean you know anything goes in the world of Kiss <laughs> but well well worth a mention of course the mighty Kiss coming to the road you've seen them I've seen them and if you haven't seen them you probably missed out because they're amazing amazing spectacle or have you Matthew have you missed out <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I know there's quite a lot of people have been disappointed recently. They cancelled a couple of gigs in Canada. They cancelled a gig, I think, in Dubai. A friend of mine in Dubai missed out seeing them. He was really excited, but they cancelled. So, um, yeah, there's they, they cancelled because of the issues in Israel. And, uh, you know, being a, essentially a, a couple of guys are Jewish, they felt there might be some some issues with them, you know, being kind of front and centre in, in Dubai, which is possibly overly cautious, but... You know, better to be safe than sorry. But um, yeah, you may see them again. Who knows? It might be one of those, you know, farewell tours that never ends. What else have you got for us in the case, Bri? A band who I think would have made it on the list uh, anyway, Matt, but it's probably a little bit more poignant for this episode, was Killing Joke. Uh, yeah. Killing Joke. Um, I don't know them particularly well, um, apart from one absolute banging tune in the 80s. I think it's one mm. of the best, goth rock songs of all time which is love like blood <laughs> that goes on to the playlist um so killing joke um there's an amazing documentary about killing joke and and just their whole career um uh, you can get it on amazon prime if you uh if you if you search for killing joke it just goes through their whole history um jazz coleman is kind of mad genius you know, he, he composes uh, um, he composes operas and symphonies. Um, but Jordy uh, Walker, who was the guitar player, uh, passed away recently. Um, yeah. Quite an influential guitar player. Um, he played a massive Gibson ES-295, Matt. He was one of the... Uh, that was his... It was a gold guitar. I, I loved it. It's one of those guitars which is iconic, and Jordy had such a, a trademark. Uh, I, I I could always tell when it was Jordy playing guitar. So, yep, Killing Joke, one of those most influential. How what would what sort of genre would you call Killing Joke? It's an interesting one, isn't it? They're, they're, I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, you're right. They could kind of got bracketed with the goth yeah. movement, but uh, sort of post punk. Industrial, yeah, sort of. I don't know, alternative rock. And you just say when you talk about influential, allegedly, uh, Doctor Feelgood by Motley Crue. The riff is is essentially kind of slightly stolen from the aforementioned Love Like Blood. Um, I, I get that. I can hear that. I'll put yeah. them. I'll put them side by side <laughs> on the playlist, and you you listeners can decide. But there's nothing wrong with being influenced and so on. But yeah, sad loss. Mm. Uh, of uh, Geordie Walker uh, of Killing Joke. Um, I'm going to mention a few uh, albums and songs. Uh, Kaylee by 
uh, Marillion. Came out about 1985, 86, when Marillion were at their, their peak. Uh, everyone knows that song. I think it was a hit on the on the charts, certainly in Britain. And, I, and I've always wondered, whenever I come across somebody called Kaylee, whether they were born in 86 or 87, that era, and they, their parents thought, well, that's a good name. We'll have that. Um, so Kaylee by Marillion. I'm going to also going to go with Killers by Iron Maiden. The 1982, their second album, actually, funny enough, talking about second albums, the, the last album to feature Paul Diano, uh, which is a great album, we'll stick a bunch of songs from the Killers album. <laughs> on, um, but any excuse to put some Maiden on the playlist, of course. Um, the Kinks, Briar. Yes. Essentially invented heavy rock when um, Dave Davis, and that's featured on that 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 great riffs program actually he decided that he wanted a more punchy sound from his amp so he literally slashed it with a slashed the cone with a razor blade and got a more distorted sound played you really got me in 1964 and well the rest is history i mean a, a classic classic song covered by well pretty much every pub cover band ever and pretty most importantly by Van Halen on their debut album. But uh, the, the Kinks, <laughs> Brian, from Muswell Hill, near where I was born, near where we were born, exactly. actually. Yeah. In, in North London. There you go. Come full circle. What, what else you got for us, Brian? Well, it's funny you talk about names like uh, Keely. Um, and mm. Keely actually got to number two in the charts. Oh, okay. it, it nearly went. Wow. Yeah. 19. Um, it was released in 1985. Um, and okay. just held off the number one spot. So it, it got me thinking, you said Kaylee and people. Uh, another one beginning with K, which was a big single for me, with a little bit more on the softer rock side, would have been Mr. Mr.'s Kyrie. Oh, fantastic. Which is a... F- which, which is a f- Kyrie lays upon the road. And who yeah, knows the it. lyrics for that one? Who, who, we have Not no me. idea. Not me. <laughs> Off of the album, uh, what's it called? The album? Welcome to the Real World. Uh, it's, it's a great album, that is. That's another hidden gem of mine gone for today. Thank you. <laughs> Key. through that. No, we have to talk about, for, for me, Matthew, and I'm sure it was the same for you, we have to talk about the encyclopedia which we devoured weekly. Mm. Mm. which was the wonderful tome that was Kerrang! Kerrang! Magazine. Kerrang! Yes. Magazine, which came out from uh, Sounds Magazine um, and Kerrang! I think Kerrang! started around, oh gosh, the early 80s, 1980? 81. 81. I, I remember it coming out, actually. I bought the first, well, first, I don't know, 50, 50 issues. Wow. Um yeah, the first one featuring uh, Agus Young on the front, appropriately enough, came out in uh, June 1981. Wow. Um, you were just starting your 15 years at university, then I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even <laughs> think I had a rock album in 1981, Matt. It was originally, yeah, right, it was a kind of offshoot from Sounds magazine, uh, which was kind of a mixture, but yeah. uh, of, sort of punk and scar and rock and everything yeah. uh kerrang was solely dedicated to um to uh to, to what basically heavy heavy rock heavy metal um i think it originally came out as a kind of monthly thing and then it became fortnightly and then uh, ironically it's gone back to i think it's quarterly now really um, wow yeah it's, it's still going you know but it's as i say it's not quite as frequent as it was in its um heyday but uh, you're right i mean it was essential reading wasn't it oh back God. in the day Absolutely, and you, and you know people that people that you and I still see uh, at at festivals, and and uh, and they always people that were in Kerrang turn up in all of the documentaries about hard rock. So you you would have had um, Jeff Barton, who was famously yep. the editor, um, yep. Malcolm Dome, sadly yep. passed R. away, R.I.P. Yep. Crusher. Dave Ling, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all so, these, all these London kind of inner circle. Yeah, you still see, well, still see Dave Ling dotting around London. Yeah. Xavier Russell. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Our friend uh, Trevor Streets. Hello, Trev. If you're listening in France, he uh, he unearthed the first, I think, three three issues of um, Kerrang magazine in his mum's garage when he was clearing clearing out the garage one time. And uh, he, he won't part with them. I've tried many times to try and get him to part with them, but he won't. Because I think they're, pr- they're worth probably the princely sum of twenty five pounds each. Those um, uh-huh. those uh, original 
in mint in mint condition. Yeah. Um, correcting magazines. Yeah. And of course the K the K rating. Uh-huh. It was the it was the only bands to get five Ks, Brian. You've told me many times. Uh, no, there the, the, a few bands got five. Do you, they, they actually created for the band Only Child. God, you're testing oh, me. Right. And, and, and instead of five Ks, it, they gave them an L. Was it, it, was, it, was a, it was an L that Only Child um, album got. And it was like, it, it was like the Matrix is broken. You know, yeah, yeah, um, you, yeah. you had... And then, do you remember when the reviews, you had the reviews in Kerrang of the, um, <laughs> of a show and you would have, it was basically done on a heartbeat. So you would mm. have like, um, I remember saying, you know, the almighty, the almighty were playing the marquee or, or Aerosmith were doing their, um, secret gig at the marquee before they played special guests at, at Donington. And you'd have like, you know, it's like off the scale for for the. Uh, uh, there's so many things that just uh, Krang was just amazing. Times. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely yeah. stuff. All right, we've got to move on. Um, yeah. Other other notable mentions: Simon Kirk, the great Simon Kirk drummer from Free and Bad Company. Miles Kennedy, mm. the voice of the 21st century, allegedly. <laughs> this is his birthday recently, of course. We stuck that on the, yeah. on, the, on the Facebook page. Richie Cotson. The mighty Richie Cotson from, well, all manner of bands. Winery Dogs, Smith Cotson, Poison. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Mr. Big, I think he was in. He was. Plays without, plays without a pick, right? You can play the guitar, not very well, of course, as we all know. But you, he plays with a, you play with a some sort of plastic pick, don't you, I guess? Yes. But he um, he plays with his fingers, isn't he? An amazing guitarist. Yeah. Richie Cotson. Kasabian, you saw them recently in your, in your trip. They were really York. good. I would, yeah. I, I was quite surprised how, how, uh, it was bizarre seeing a band that's headlined Glastonbury and they headlined Glastonbury and I saw them in the Webster Hall, which effectively is a club that holds 1,400 people. And Kasabian were, um, the, leads, the, the lead guitarist is now the lead singer, Serge. Serge went to the bar. He, he went, right? Yeah, he went to the bar, stood at the bar and he's and he was actually genuinely he he ordered drinks for the band on stage, and then he was asking a few people if they if you know do you fancy drink mate do you fancy drink and, oh and, brilliant and and um and then he then he went all Peter then he went all sort of Steve Hogarth, um Peter Gabriel with with kind of uh, neon hands so he had lasers coming out of a pair of gloves, honestly man it was just I'm kind of going this is this is mad <laughs> it was. Honestly, great band, Kasabian. Great, but great, yeah. great band. Well worthy of the in the case. Karma effects, of course. Our old yep. friends. Yeah. Have a listen to the have a listen to the interview if you haven't listened to it. They were they were great, great guys, Liam and uh, Ash. Hello, guys, if you're listening, of course, in the tour bus, mm-hmm. still on the UK tour. Um, who else we got? KK's Priest. Yeah. The offshoot from Judas Priest to meet the mighty uh, KK Downing. King King. Well worth a mention. Yes. Amazing band. Amazing yep. bluesy kind of undertone, but. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, Anglo, Anglo-Scottish band, I suppose you could say. The Mighty King King. Um, I want, I've got to mention this one from my daughter's boyfriend. My daughter, Georgia, her boyfriend, um, Jay, he says, he keeps saying to me, you've got to listen to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. you got to listen to them. They're great. Listen to them, listen to them. So I, Jay, I one day I will listen to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. But, you know, King, there's, there's King everything, isn't there, Bri? Well, there is. King you Yep, Kings of Leon. You've got um, um, you've got Kerry King, who who was the, the king, the king, yes, for Slayer for Slayer, and and I think he's uh, he's co- going out solo now as Kerry King, but nobody's sure who's actually in the band yet. Okay, um, I've got Dave King. Do you remember Dave King? I do. Ah. And he one of the uh, you're testing me again. I can tell. Uh, he, I think, was the original singer of Wasted. No, you're close though. Dave King. All right, where was he then? Dave King was the original singer in Fastway. Fastway, I was close. With Pete Way and Fast Eddie Clark. Fast That's right. Way. So, yes. uh, and 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 I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you. I got that at the, the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but bizarrely, bizarrely, whenever whenever Fastway came out, and we're all expecting to see Pete Way. And Fast Eddie Clark on the video, yeah. 
there was no Pete Way because he'd recorded the album and then he, I think he'd buggered off back to UFO. So, so there yeah. you've got Dave King, Kerry King, King Diamond. Yes. Um, who is like from Merciful Fates, who are That's right. who are massive. Was, they were always in Kerrang, weren't they? Yes. Every week. I was scared of him. I still am. <laughs> and and he and he and to hear him when you when you watch those document you know the documentaries about oh the history of heavy metal, he's he, he's singing up in areas where only dogs can hear you. It's I know, like, it's, is that ridiculous? Oh my goodness, my goodness. King <laughs> Crimson. We'll put some merciful fate on the, and King Diamond on the playlist. Oh. They'll sort the boy, the men from the boys, the boys from the girls, and all that sort of stuff. Oh my goodness! So King Crimson, of course, amazing. Band. King Crimson, a documentary coming out soon um, um, about the and obviously Robert Robert Fripp at the moment. He's enjoying a, a new lease of life as Toya Wilcox. Uh, enjoying Toya. husband. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Oh dear! I think that's it. We've we've sort of have we got have we done K to death. I think we've done K to death. We're done K to death. The main thing is we got to it. We we covered King's X. We're all we're all good. The world is the world. Everything's okay with the world. Now. It is indeed. It is. I'll try. I'll maybe try and sneak them in at X. <laughs> Why not? Well, there might be slim pickings in X. Let me tell you. <laughs> so that brings us finally here. Boys and girls, to everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Hidden gym time. Oh, thanks, Lola. Sounded great. As always, hope you're doing well. Right, Brian, what you got for us? Matt, I feel that this episode has been one of the most eclectic episodes that we've done in our 57 episode history. We've covered Dolly Parton. Yes. <laughs> Killing joke, oh yes. my! Uh, you know we've we've kiss. Oh my goodness, we've, we we've we've covered mult lots of different jobs. Mer- merciful fate. <laughs> yeah. So Amazing. I'm going to expand our genre, and for my hidden gem, this is something I watched um, a couple of weekends ago, and I watched it on Apple TV. And it is a live documentary film which was um, directed and written by Spike Jones, and it's it's a film called Beastie Boys Story. Now, it's it's effectively a, a live show with um, uh, with Michael Diamond and Adam Horowitz. So two. So it's the two. Um, Remaining, remaining members mm. of uh, of the Beastie Boys. So Adam Yoik, um, who sadly passed away, uh, he succumbed to, to, to cancer. Yeah. And it is a, it's effectively um, a, a staged story, uh, uh, just a telling of the 40 year history of, um, of the Beastie Boys. Now, for those of us who come in and out of the Beastie Boys, you will always remember the License to Ill um, album, Matt, where you've got, yep. you know, you've got to fight for your right to party, you know, all that kind of stuff, and Rick Rubin and Def Jam Records, and the and the connections that the connections that the Beastie Boys had with Run DMC. Them, them coming across to the. I remember, this, I remember them coming across to Great Britain, and and they and they were they were debated in Parliament about how lewd right. because they had they had big massive uh, symbols and and they basically said, hey, what what do you want as you what do you want on your uh, on your stage?" And they basically come up with outlandish stuff. And because they were a headline act, they got it all. So mm. they were banned in the UK. Um, but what's really interesting is uh, through throughout the the story of the two guys who remain uh, uh, who who are still with us, the friendship of the three of them, you know, um, and, and Adam Yoik, who who uh, was you know the the bass player, and and he was coming up with some outlandishly innovative ideas around the Beastie Boys and it's honestly Matt um, the 
you just go through their history of 40 years and you've effectively got three best friends who for mm. many, many years just made the music that they that they loved. They didn't follow any genres. Like one of my favourite tracks of the Beastie Boys is a song called Sabotage. Oh, amazing song. It's a fabulous. And, and that came mm. out of a jam where Adam's playing the bass um, uh, you know, and then they move into areas where, you know, freed, the freed Tibets, and they were able to call on Dave Grohl and Rage Against the Machine. So they're such an influential band, but it's, it's a, a, a really powerful documentary about a band. Uh, and, and I know it's not, I know it's not hard rock or, uh, or classic rock, but if you get a chance to watch Beastie Boys story, it is just, um, are really, really interesting insights around how a band starts, how they can keep going, and how how sometimes bands are just luckily three best friends who go through, you know, a career together. So my hidden gem for this episode is Beastie Boys story. Very good. Very good. I think that's the first time we mentioned the Beastie Boys on <laughs> On on the uh, for those about pod beastly and yeah what a what a band I mean fantastic uh, that's a great shout Brian we'll have to, we'll put a, again a load of of classic Beastie Boys on um, on the playlist so from the Beastie Boys I'm going to go back to late eighties British goth and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new genre Brian <laughs> another one. For, for the collection it's a different day of the do, week now is it I said day of the week still Sunday <laughs> this is um, this is going to be so it's Sunday morning goth with Matt Rogers and I and I present to you the debut album from All About Eve now All About Eve and the reason I came across this I, I, I knew out All About Eve from the late 80s um, fronted by Julianne Regan um who was one of those kind of female sort of figureheads of the goth movement in the late eighties? I was listening to the radio, and they and they played. You know, they, you know when radio stations, Planet Rocks specifically, they played. Um, they played a song from this album. You think, hang on a minute, I haven't heard that since well, nineteen eighty eight. In this case, it was Every Angel from the uh, debut album from um, All About Eve, and uh, it's called All About Eve. Uh, simple as that, named after a 1951 film of the same name. And it's great. I listened to it that day and it brought back a lot of memories. Uh, Martha's Harbour. A lot of people remember the, their, their um, doomed... Oh, top the of Top the of the Pops performance. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Oh. exactly. Which was a kind of blessing in disguise because they, 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 they did the song. They, they, we could hear them. They could hear the song, on the, you know, if you like, yeah. listening at home. But in the studio, they couldn't hear it. They played it again the next week. It rocketed up the charts. Everyone was happy. Uh, Every angel I mentioned, uh, shelter from the rain, and so on. It's a it's it's a nice mellow album. Julianne Regan's voice is beautiful. Uh, Tim Bracino is his guitar playing is fantastic. I think he went on to join the Mission or the okay. Sisters of Mercy, one of those bands. He was kind of one of those ubiquitous guitar players in that era. But uh, yeah, so there you go. So I'm going to surprise everyone with. My selection of Hidden Gem this time, coining the phrase Sunday morning goth. <laughs> the debut album from All About Eve called All About Eve. Fabulous. There you go. There you go. Right. That's it, Bri. That's it. It's quite sad, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Episode 57. We've got to wait another three weeks, but we do episode 58. Um, and uh, I'll talk about Planet Rockstock next time. Yep. Uh, which uh, I haven't had a chance to talk about today. It was great last weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll cover that next time. Um, but thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music. I'm going to get serious now. Mm -hmm. um, and tell your friends, tell your neighbours, tell complete strangers. I do, as you know, Brian. I'm always accosting complete strangers, <laughs> telling them about the podcast. Um, give me funny looks and then walk, walk away. But um, worth a try. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. You will do. And for, for those people who are... Um, uh, for those people who are doing their Spotify wrapped, if we are one of your top podcast thank you so much for listening to us in 2023 oh, yeah. yes yep 
Um, do you know where? Do you know where I had us, Matt, on my yeah. my top podcasts of twenty twenty three? I had us third. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> not, Mind I, you, I mean, it's good. a bit self indulgent to listen to yourself, <laughs> isn't it? You know. Uh, yes, I was probably the same actually. I know, my daughter Georgia, she sent me uh, hers, and I think we were we were second. I've got to mention my other daughter Olivia, of course. Got to mention my my wife Kate. Uh-huh. Got to mention the dog. You know what it's like. I've got to mention everyone really. Thanks, uh, Sam, my stepson, and so on. Anyway, where were we? Right. Are, you looking, for are you looking for Christmas presents now? <laughs> always, always on, always on the hunt for Christmas presents, Bri. Yes, and also as well too. Yes, as Matt says, you'll find us on all of the normal uh, social channels. But for those of you who are more traditional in your listening habits, you'll catch us on Scotland Rocks Radio every three weeks on a Tuesday. Um, yeah. So listen to us there. But until the next time, we will see you. Take care. See you, Matt. Bye. Bye. Rosebud Pod, we salute you, is a Manny Rogers production. Nah.